Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Well, it's Halloween week, and spooky season is is coming to a close, and it's time to get ready for Thanksgiving, and of course, Christmas. Uh, Anyway, anyway, uh, I've been fighting a cold, so um, that's why I might sound uh, a a little off, no matter... We push through. Uh, not a whole lot of video game news this week. Uh, we're going to talk about Call of Duty, though. That did come out. Uh, have not had a chance to install or play Outer Worlds just yet. I do want to get some time in with Call of Duty. And I'm going to be going away this weekend, so <laughs> won't get a whole lot of time there yet. Um, but this is a nice little uh, nice little break from the, the crazy big episodes we've had the, the last couple weeks. Um, so let, let's get right into it. BlizzCon is, is coming up this next weekend, this upcoming weekend, and, uh, six mystery panels were announced. A lot of interesting tidbits that, that could be expected from that. And we already know at least one of the games that's going to be announced. And that's thanks to an ESPN report, of all things. But, Overwatch 2 is coming out, and, uh, per ESPN... This is uh, Rod Breslau. Uh, He said, to clarify my original tweet, it is very likely the next iteration of Overwatch will not be Overwatch 2, but instead a variant of Overwatch Chapter 2. Oh, so maybe maybe not Overwatch 2. Uh, The logo they tweeted out shows the Overwatch logo with like a 2 next to it. Don't know what that means. Um, And also that a 32nd hero is expected to be announced, uh, as well as some sort of PvE environment, not necessarily a um, campaign. But who knows? Uh, This is still early, and we do have uh, uh, just uh, about a week before BlizzCon starts, which starts on Friday or Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, which is uh, about four or five days from now. Uh, so that that's something you can expect. And uh, Mike Ibarra, uh, you might be familiar with the name. He is, uh, he's been with Xbox for the last 20 years. He was the uh, executive for Xbox. He handled a lot of their marketing and things like this. Has, has actually left Microsoft and has joined Blizzard. And uh, he's going to be their vice president, executive vice president, and general manager. Uh, that starts next week. And uh, it's interesting for Blizzard, especially all the Hong Kong things surrounding uh, that. Uh, like I said, he's been he's been there for twenty years, uh, and hopefully he he will help Blizzard enter a new era as well, uh, considering of all the great things he did for Microsoft and Xbox. I wish him well in his future endeavors. Bethesda is confusing just about everyone with their new $100 a year subscription for Fallout 76. It's called Fallout First. It will allow you to play play in private worlds, and it's priced at $12.99 a month or $99 a year. And... Uh, So private worlds for yourself and up to seven friends, a scrap box with unlimited storage for crafting materials, a survival tent that acts as a placeable fast travel point, $16.50 atoms a month for the game's shop, an exclusive ranger armor outfit, unique icons and emotes. Which, uh, a little ridiculous, if you ask me. And even, apparently, some of the biggest supporters of Fallout 76 have a lot to say about this and uh, I guess on the Fallout 76 Reddit a lot of people were claiming uh, some people thought it was an April Fool's joke this uh, (laughs) 
This is a headline from their Reddit. Mark this day is the day Bethesda really proved they're not only idiots, but liars. Game Pass is cheaper than Fallout 76 first. Uh, also, which includes the Outer Worlds. That was actually pointed out by uh, Jason Schreier at Kotaku. Someone says, Dear Bethesda, how about a free year of your premium to everyone who originally bought the unfinished game for the original ticket price? And then one person's like, I can't even defend it. <laughs> it it's just... I, uh, I'm a little surprised that, that Bethesda's doing this. It's really, really, really odd for them. I, it's, it's a bad move on their part, if you ask me. They just, they're like burning all the goodwill they've had. Good luck getting people to buy the next game. And, yeah, yeah this is, this is pretty, pretty sad. And it looks like the Outer Worlds is stealing all of the thunder. And I'm sure Bethesda did this to try and take some, 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 like, press away from the Outer Worlds. But, you know... Whatever, they made a dumb decision. I wonder if people will actually pay for this. Or how many will actually pay is a better question. It was announced that Death Stranding will have a cameo from Conan O'Brien, where you can get a otter mask that allows you to swim better in the game. Looking forward to that next week when the game comes out. Yep, yeah, that's, uh, that's a thing now. <laughs> uh, Google announced that it's going to be opening its first studio in Montreal. Uh, it will be a Stadia-focused studio, obviously. And uh, this was a blog post from the head of uh, VP and head of Stadia Entertainment, uh, Jade Raymond, formerly of EA. It will produce exclusive original content across a diverse portfolio of games in all your favorite genres. Just as Stadia intends to change the way games are accessed and experienced by players, we want to change the way games are made. Uh, they claim to uh, lead to a diverse and, and inclusive workplace. And uh, then she also went on to speak to GamesIndustry.biz and said, A huge new IP that's going to fully leverage the cloud. Quite a few exclusive games in the works that will demonstrate some of the exciting things about the platform. And also said, initially we're going to have some interesting indie-style titles we sign, and they might look a little different, or take advantage of a YouTube integration, or have a different role for a streamer. All interesting. Very, very interesting. What kind of games are going to be made for this thing? I mean, I get the indie thing at, at, at the beginning, because it takes time to, to ramp up production on, on like AAA-level games. So that, that's no surprise there. But I, I am curious as to what this will really entail. And obviously Google's trying to make it so that they can really be a competitor against the big three. But will it work is, is, is the real question here. Only time will tell. In a surprising blow to Twitch, another major streamer has left the platform and switched over to Microsoft's Mixer. This time it's Michael Shroud, Great Greziak? I don't even know how to say his last name. Shroud. Just We're just going to call him Shroud because that's how he's known. Uh, he did tweet out, same Shroud, new home. Uh, this is also following Ninja. Uh, Shroud explained, streaming is my passion and I owe my su success to my fans who have helped me get to where I am now. Mixer provides the flexibility to center my attention around them. I am excited to join the Mixer community as well as continue to build relationships with both players and fans. The move to Mixer allows me to focus on what I love, gaming. I hope you all continue to be a part of my community in this transition. I can't wait to show you all the things we have in store. So, interesting to see this. Uh, Shroud is a big CSGO player, and I'm sure he'll be continuing to play Counter-Strike on Mixer. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Microsoft tries to get him to play some of their big upcoming releases in the next year, which I'm sure they will do, as they will do with Ninja. 
Uh, and I know Ninja will make a big show of Halo Infinite next year, considering he got his start playing Halo, as I've mentioned before. Uh, sadly, we got a, a bunch of delays this last week for a lot of major video games. The Last of Us 2 has been delayed from February to March, or to May of next year, despite only having that release date announced just a few short weeks ago. Also, uh, Ubisoft announced that they are delaying Watch Dogs, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and Gods and Monsters to fiscal year 2020-21, uh, which means uh, that's sometime between April 2020 and March of 2021. So my guess is that Watch Dogs Legion is going to go from a March release to a uh, late spring, early summer. Rainbow Six Quarantine and Gods and Monsters later in 2020 and then early 21. Which, uh, still no announcement on an official release date for Skull and Bones, which was already delayed into next year. Hopefully uh, not too many things get delayed over on the Ubisoft front. Be, uh, it'd be unfortunate. Um, we can add a new wrinkle to the Blitzchung versus Blizzard debacle, as Blitzchung decided to stop playing Hearthstone as he's professionally banned for the next six months, uh, and has been streaming a game called Liberate Hong Kong, which is a pro Hong Kong game, obviously, and... It is something that he is very passionate about. He is from Hong Kong himself. And it's interesting to see this happen um, just the week before BlizzCon. He's he's obviously trying to send a message. He's obviously trying to make people understand this is a serious thing. They've been protesting for close to five months at this point. And uh, people are trying to get the word out. Good on him. Good on him. For standing up for what he believes in. Uh, and a couple... Just a, one more news update here before we talk about COD. Um, Game Freak announced that they do not plan on releasing any more Let's Go type games. Uh, like no more Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go Eevee, things like this. No plans for that. So one can only speculate what the next game in the Pokemon series will be. Will it be a remake of Gen 4, Diamond and Pearl and Platinum? Will it be Gen 9, whatever takes place after Sword and Shield? Will it be a Sword and Shield third game? Who knows? Will it be a, a sequel to Sword and Shield, just like we got Black and White 2 and Ultra Sun and Moon? But uh, just don't count on any Let's Go games, as that seems to be just a one-off experiment. Uh, that's it for video gaming news, but I do want to talk about Call of Duty. It's really fun. The graphics are phenomenal for a Call of Duty game. And uh, I did start the campaign. It's uh, it's really good so far. They've added a new difficulty level, which I'm personally not playing. I'm sticking with Veteran. Uh, there's a new difficulty level called Realism, uh, which is also a new multiplayer mode. Um, limited HUD. Uh, more realistic deaths, obviously, it's uh, less less bullets and uh, less help and things like this. So it's, it's almost as if you're just uh, playing like a first-person game with, without anything other than just you seeing the gun in your hand. So this is a, uh, like I said, real as realistic as, as possible, essentially. And uh, that, that's an interesting take. The new game engine is, is great and smooth. Multiplayer, uh, so far the maps are a little infuriating. Some are enormous, some are small. Um, the way they're laid out force you to play a little bit differently than, than in past Call of Duty games. Um, not as many wide open paths. Um, and I, I've been seeing a lot of complaints online, and, and I can kind of voice this as well. A lot of camping going on. Uh, if you play some objective-based game types, I don't play Search and Destroy, but I do play Domination, um, and I do play H Headquarters and things like this, and they have a new one called uh, Tech, something Tech. But a lot of times, those matches end up being decided by time limit because people just don't play the objective. It's really infuriating, but uh, it's it's fun nonetheless. 
Uh, I'm sure more and more people will be getting it as, as we get more and more time away from release. I have been playing with a friend. Uh, I'm on Xbox, he's on PS4. Crossplay works very, very smoothly. Uh, even chatting across the two platforms runs very smoothly as well. So that's uh, something I, I can give a big thumbs up to. Uh, if I were to grade the game right now, I uh, would definitely give it an 8 out of 10. Um, and that's without finishing the campaign yet. And obviously not. Uh, I've gotten maybe 10 or so, 10 to 15 hours into multiplayer. Uh, with obviously a whole lot more to come in the future. But that's my update on the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Let's uh, move on to TV here. Uh, we got our first announcement for the future of the Arrowverse, with it being uh, Green Arrow and the Canaries, which will star uh, Green Arrow's daughter Mia, who's been somewhat of the, the main star of the Flash Forwards. Uh, it will also have Laurel and Dinah joining the show. No word yet, though, on if it will be taking place in the current 2019 or 2020, or if it will be taking place in the future in the 2040 timeline. Uh, granted, I'm, I'm sure we'll find out if that timeline even exists after the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover later in the year. I'm excited for this. I personally like uh, Mia Smoke as a character. Uh, they've been getting better with Laurel lately. Uh, season 8 so far of Arrow, I, I did want to touch on that a little bit. Um... So far, every episode's been somewhat of a like an homage to a previous season. Uh, obviously, the first episode was an homage to season one, albeit on a different spin, where Ollie returns after 12 years as opposed to uh, five. Uh, the second episode was a little bit of a, a drop in quality, though. It was nice to see Katana back, however, uh, and somewhat of a Hong Kong storyline. But, I don't know, I'm excited to see where it goes. I... I hope it, it ends on a strong note. I mean, Arrow has had a lot of ups and downs. I hope to see Slade back in some capacity. I know they're doing this weird Deathstroke storyline in the future, uh, but we'll see if that pays off in any capacity. But that's it right now for Arrowverse. Flash is, is firing on, on all cylinders, surprisingly. They, they've had a bit of a low point recently as everything gears up to Crisis. I still have yet to watch Batwoman. I got a, a lot of catching up on on TV to do with uh, with uh, with me being gone for a week. So obviously, uh, there's going to be a, a lot of time for me to try and catch up. But moving on, uh, Watchmen. Uh, we're a week removed from episode one. Episode two does air tonight, and I am very disappointed in this show. This show is... I, I don't know what the hell is going on. It is a far cry from being a sequel to the graphic novel. It, it is all over the place. It expects you to understand who these characters are and what their connection is. There, There's no setup for the show... Really, it, it almost expects you to have read the graphic novel and understood it 100% completely. Which is asking a lot, especially on a, a HBO show like this. Granted, it's Damon Lindelof and he does crazy ridiculous things. The first episode, though, was a bore. It was a drag. It, it sets up all certain characters only for certain things to happen that, that are very questionable and it, it it's true to Lindelof's form where it leaves you asking more questions than than answers which is not really what Watchmen really was it was it was all about making superheroes feel real and a world that was lived in and understandable whereas this is so far removed from that especially taking place in Tulsa compared to the graphic novel which took place in New York the show opens up with the race riots in Tulsa from 1921, if I'm not mistaken, which very tragic story based that which is true. And 
my only thing is how does that connect how does that connect to Watchmen? Like how other than the fact that they're fighting this group called the Seventh Cavalry, which is a white supremacist group which gets their inspiration from Rorschach and his journal. Other than that though, why are we in Tulsa? Like what does that have to do with New York City? I I just very, very, very confused, and I hope the second episode clears that up. But so far, not impressed. Uh, we got news for what the five Rick and Morty episodes will be titled. Some interesting names here. Uh, they did warn not to read too much into them. They are as follows. Edge of Tamorty. Um, Rick Die Repeat. The Old Man in the Seat, One Crew Over the Crew Coos Morty, uh, Claw and Hoarder, Special Rictims Morty, and Rattlestar Ricklactica. No idea what those are going to be or what they're going to turn into. Granted, I mean, they have a history of using punny titles. And not really following up on that, though. Albeit with one minor connection. So so we'll see uh, we'll see how all that plays out. In uh, a few short weeks, it returns. Uh, we got news of the villain joining the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon. And it will be played by a former uh, crow or former... Stark, I should say, of Lord of the Ring of Game of Thrones, uh, Joseph Mole Mole, uh, who played Benjamin Stark in Game of Thrones, has been cast as the villain on Lord of the Rings. No word yet on who he is playing, other than the fact that he's a villain in the Second Age. Uh, Jeff Loeb, the head of Marvel TV, uh, is expected to leave Marvel in the coming weeks, especially now that. The MCU and Marvel Studios is taking over Marvel TV endeavors and Kevin Feige being promoted. It is unfortunate Loeb has created some great shows. Uh, however, Marvel is trying to button things up to have a more cohesive story, which makes sense. And on top of that, Cloak and Dagger has been canceled. I think that one was on Freeform. I will not get a season four. Uh, that has been officially canceled now. And uh, st sticking with some Disney-type news, uh, we got word, finally, uh, more details about the Obi-Wan show. Ewan McGregor was interviewing Men's Health, uh, and he let slip, essentially, that he's known for about four years that he was coming back to Obi-Wan, which gives credence to some of the rumors that it, he always made it seem like he knew more than he was letting on. Uh, it will be six hour-long episodes. Uh, everything is written. It is expected to start filming next year. And it actually started out as a film. Uh, they were going to make an Obi-Wan, a Star Wars story, an Obi-Wan type film. Uh, obviously, uh, poor performance related to Solo changed a lot of those things. Uh, so, at least we're getting six hours of Obi-Wan as opposed to just two hours. Which also gives credence to the rumor that it was going to be three Obi-Wan movies. But uh, we'll have an answer probably in early 21. When the show will most likely premiere. Uh, news regarding Stranger Things. This is the last bit of TV news actually. Uh, season 4, like seasons 1 and 3, will only be 8 episodes long. And is not expected to premiere until at least the back half of 2020. Or early 2021. Uh, it is currently filming season 4. Uh, that's it though for uh, uh, TV news. Let's uh, move on to movie news. Which is a, a, uh, a lot. A bulk of our time today. Joker has officially passed Justice League in Man of Steel. And is now also the highest grossing rated R film of all time. It is... Over $700 million. It is approaching the $800 million mark. Excuse me. It's, it's over $800 million at this point. And 
it actually took number one at the box office this weekend, surprisingly. Uh, but it is the highest grossing rated R film of all time. Uh, I can't really compare it to a whole lot of things because Box Office Mojo actually recently went an, underwent a redesign. We'll talk about that later. Um, but it is the highest grossing rated R film now. Uh, Gemini Man, which uh, I don't know how much longer will be in theaters. The new Will Smith film uh, directed by Ang Lee is expected to lose around $75 million total by the end of its run. Um, it is getting decent critic or user reviews, critic reviews not so hot, uh, but I, I guess the film was shot at 120 frames per second, and only like one theater in the country can show it that way. Um, people are they they are showing it at 60 frames per second, which, uh, if you remember, the first Hobbit film was actually shown in 60 frames per second and was actually making people sick. So films have not really reached that level yet. They're usually around 40. Uh, it's odd to shoot a movie at 120 when only one theater can really show it that way. Which maybe explains why people aren't liking it. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I'll end up watching it when it comes out digitally. But I uh, heard it's okay. Um, we got news regarding Wonder Woman 1984. The trailer is expected to drop sometime in December after it is shown off at the Brazil Comic-Con Experience on December 8th. Uh, it is expected to drop online shortly thereafter. Um, and around that same time, Patty Jenkins also seemed to confirm that Pedro Pascal is playing longtime Wonder Woman villain Max Mel Maxwell Lord, uh, who does have uh, telekinetic capabilities. Uh, rumors are swirling that Keanu Reeves may join the Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, he did have a meeting with the writer of the series, but no concrete details or deals were put in place. More, uh, It was just more of a, an exploratory meeting, if you will. Uh, the director of Doctor Sleep, the uh, forthcoming sequel to The Shining, uh, both film and book, uh, the director of that film has noted that he is working with Stephen King on possible uh, adaptations, so more adaptations. Uh, as I've stated before, Stephen King is probably one of the few authors who's had almost all of his work adapted at some point, or uh, a large portion of it compared to many other authors, but the man churns out books like a motherfucker. Um, the director also pointed out that his original meeting with Warner Brothers before he got the Doctor Sleep film was actually to meet over a DC film. Uh, no word yet on what that film was or if that might still be in the works. My money's on the flash. <laughs> um, Disney has also announced that it's working with the Chernobyl creator uh, and the original writer of the Pirates movies on a potential Pirates reboot. Uh, I know we reported on this program uh, a while back that the Deadpool writers, uh, Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese, were working on a reboot for the series. Uh, that is no longer the case. Uh, no word yet on if Johnny Depp is on board, or if he would be involved in the reboot in any shape or form. Uh, Sam Neill posted on Instagram that he is more than excited to be back in the Jurassic World park franchise uh, tweeting out that he just recently found the boots he wore in the first Jurassic Park film uh, and he is excited to work with uh, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard and he's also happy to be back with his original co-stars uh, Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern I'm, I can't fucking wait I, I love uh, his character Alan Grant uh, one of the best parts of the f original Jurassic Park film. And, of course, I mean, he doesn't hold a candle to Jeff Goldblum's character, but he is a n solid, solid number two. And I, I did like uh, the fact that he was back in Jurassic Park 3. He was one of the bright spots in, in that mediocre film. Um, Disney also announced a Hocus Pocus sequel, 
for Disney Plus. Why? God, 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 why? Why, oh why, oh why? Why do they got to ruin things like that? At least they want the original cast back in some capacity, but but still. Just stop. Just just let things just be as they are. Don't tarnish their legacy. I just... Ugh. In other news with Disney, apparently uh, they've been denying requests to theaters uh, to show old Fox films, old 20th Century Fox films like Alien and, and other things. Um... This is unsubstantiated at this point. It's, it's just a few things and, and articles I've seen about this, uh, most notably on IGN and some other places. Uh, this is a big thing, though. If, if this is true, uh, no word yet on if theater owners will be able to show Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is now a property of the Walt Disney Company. Uh, apparently, they were allowing theaters to show them in non-profit capacities, uh, but not if it was going to be a money-making venture. Uh, unsure though, like I said, if this is uh, completely true or just uh, a sporadic and minor cases. Uh, we'll report more on that in the future if anything more comes out. Um, but uh, before we get to our final bit of movie news and then some other things, uh, some more things regarding Martin Scorsese and and things he said. Um, essentially in, in regards to the MCU. I, I know I, we talked about it before, and I, I said he was a little unfounded, and I liked what some other uh, actors and, and people had to say, but uh, a lot of things have changed since then. Uh, most recently, Francis Ford Coppola called them despicable, which I think that's a little ridiculous on his part. Um, but it all started on the, the 3rd of October with Martin Scorsese saying... Uh, to Empire Magazine, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them as well-made as they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. Then after that, uh, the writer of Doctor Strange went on to say, Mark Twain once said of Jane Austen, every time I read Pride and Prejudice, I want to dig her up and beat her over the skull with her own shin bone. Sometimes even the... Uh, and then he says, Sometimes even the greatest artists can talk shit about work as immortal as their own. They're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> um, so... Yeah. Uh, Joss Whedon uh, then chimed in, I first think of James Gunn, how his heart and guts are packed into Guardians. I revere Marty, and I do see his point, but... Well, there's a reason why I'm always angry, Whedon wrote on Twitter. Uh, if it isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. That's what he also said. Uh, James Gunn then chimed in. Uh, Martin Scorsese is one of my five favorite living filmmakers. I was outraged when people picketed The Last Temptation of Christ without having seen the film. I'm saddened that he's now judging my films in the same way. That said, I will always love Scorsese, be grateful for his contribution to cinema, and I can't wait to see The Irishman. Really, uh, really big on his part. Uh, he also said, and I'm not saying religious zealotry is the same as not liking my movies or in the same category. What I'm saying is I'm not fond of people judging things without actually seeing them, whether it's a movie about Jesus or a genre. Uh, Robert Cargill, the writer of Doctor Strange, weighed in again. Uh, he said, when Scott... Derrickson, uh, the director and co-writer, uh, and I were making Doctor Strange, the vast majority of Marvel's notes were about deepening character, strengthening the story, and asking us if we could make it weirder. Anyone who thinks Marvel is only trying to make theme park rides is being unjust and cynical. He also then he said, As I tweeted last night, I take no issue with Scorsese. The man's a genius. I'm mostly taking issue today with all of the smug freelancers retweeting this, his quote, patting themselves on the back as if correct and vindicated before lining up to watch and review the next one. Uh, Peter Ramsey then, uh, the director of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, says, Martin Scorsese is a god. Marvel movies are fun and good. Chill. 
Samuel L. Jackson, which we kind of spoke about a couple weeks back, said, I mean, that's like saying Bugs Bunny ain't funny. Films are films. Everybody doesn't like his stuff either. Uh, Samuel Jackson famously was in Goodfellas, a Scorsese film. Uh, Karen Gillan, uh, who plays Nebula in the Guardians and Avengers movies, said, There's so much heart and soul, and it's James Soul in there. He injects so much of his own personality, his sense of humor, that's a very big representation of who he is as a person, and therefore it's very cinematic. He's an artist. Robert Downey Jr. then went on to say, I'm just quoting everybody, just to give everyone a full picture. Uh, he was on Howard Stern. I'll tell you the truth. I didn't expect it to become what it became. And it is this very large multi-headed hydra at this point, and I've always had other interests, and according to Scorsese, it's not cinema. I'll have to take a look at that. He also said, I appreciate his opinion because I think it's like anything. You need all the different perspectives. Uh, Crispin Glover, uh, who is a famous actor, um, went on to say, these films that are comic book derived films that are not necessarily character studies and are more dealing with comforting the American public to feel as though they're a righteous justified police force in the world. That's essentially what the message is generalized, but essentially that's the underlying message of what's going on in our corporate propaganda. Ooh, he's getting a little more political. Um, he went on to say that the word cinema is a bit misleading. I think the word cinema, though, all you have to do is put something on celluloid. Anything in the cinema is cinema, but I would phrase it to have to do more with propaganda. But even then, you have to be very specific about, specific about it. Looking at what the actual world behind... What the message is, you can take something that is standard genre and flip it. Then Scorsese clarified his comments a few weeks later and said, um, The value of a film that's like a theme park film, for example, the Marvel-type pictures, where the theaters become amusement parks, that's a different experience, and it's, not, and it's like it's not even, as I was saying earlier, it's not cinema. It's something else, you know, whether you go for that or not. But it is something else, and we shouldn't be invaded by it. So, um, and so that's a big issue. That's a big issue, and we need the theater owners to step up for that, to allow theaters to show films that are narrative films. And this is where I start to start more to agree with Scorsese, because he's starting to clarify his statements. I think people took him out of context the first time. Um, Kevin Smith, who I respect a lot, made a very good point. Um, he says, my feeling is Martin Scorsese, Scorsese never sat in a movie theater with his dad and watched the movies of Spielberg in the early 80s or George Lucas in the 70s. He didn't feel that sense of magic and wonder. I can still step into one of those comic book movies, divorce myself of that fact that I do this for a living, release, and my dead dad is back for a minute, for two hours. And it's personal for a lot of the audience, you know, and we're not arguing whether or not it counts as cinema. Um, then Taika Waititi, the director of Thor, said, Well, it's too late for them to change the name to Marvel Attic Universe. Of course it's cinema. It's at the movies. Which, you know, makes sense. Uh, then we come to Francis Ford Coppola, who said, When Martin Scorsese says that the Marvel pictures are not cinema, he's right, because we expect to learn something from cinema. We expect to gain something, some enlightenment, some knowledge, some inspiration. I don't know that anyone gets anything out of seeing the same movie over and over again. Martin was kind when he said it's not cinema. He didn't say it's despicable, which is which I just say it is. Look, Francis Ford Coppola's made some of the best movies of all time. Not lately, though. Not in a few decades, actually. So, yes, he's making smaller films. They're not for everyone. He is being a little heavy-handed. Um... Natalie Portman then chimed in and said, I think there's room for all types of cinema. There's not one way to make art. Very smart. James Gunn chimed in again. Superheroes are simply today's gangsters, cowboys, outer space adventures. Some superhero films are awful, some are beautiful. Like westerns and gangster movies, and before that, just movies. Not everyone will be able to appreciate them. Even some geniuses, and that's okay. And... Uh, Scorsese says again, Right now the theaters seem to be mainly supporting the theme park amusement park comic book films. They're taking over the theaters. I think they can have those films. It's fine. It's just that 
shouldn't become what our young people believe is cinema. It just shouldn't. And I agree. I like small art house films as well. Look, Ad Astra is one of my favorite movies this year. That is by no means uh, uh, in the same, same realm or breath as a Marvel film. Look at what Quentin Tarantino does, okay, with, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Those are not things that play in to the whole theme park idea. Um, then uh, a few more people chimed in. I'm not going to keep going because it, it's getting a little out of hand here. Um, I do want to say what uh, Bob Iger ended up having to say, uh, you know, the CEO of Disney. He said, frankly, the motion picture distribution business or the theatrical exhibition business worldwide has relatively thin margins. When those theaters run movies, not just like ours, because there are other blockbusters out there too, they do exceedingly well for them, and they make a lot of money on them. That actually gives them the ability to run other films that might not be as successful, but there are people in different places that want to see them. Which, he's making the business point, which is kind of what Marty was saying. Um... And then he went on to say, you know, Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese are two people I hold in the highest regard in terms of the films they've made, the films I've liked, the films we've all watched. If they want to bitch about movies, that's certainly their right. And yeah, that's very true. Um, and I, I just want to uh, end on one more thing Scorsese says, who, and it, it's what I agree with. Uh, he said, let's say a family wants to go to an amusement park. That's a good thing, you know. And at theme parks, there's these cinematic expressions. They're a new art form. It's something different from films that are shown normally in theaters. That's all. My concern is losing the screens to massive theme park films, which I say again, they're their own new art form. Cinema is now changing. We have so many venues. There are so many ways to make films so enjoyable. Fine. Go and it's an event and it's great to go to an event like an amusement park. But don't crowd out Greta Gerwig and don't crowd out Paul Thomas Anderson and Noah Baumbach and those people in terms of theaters. Which is, I think, what he's been trying to say the whole time, but he's been getting drowned out by just the media and things like this. And the only reason I devoted so much time to it is because I, I agree with so many of these points from all ends, except Francis Ford Coppola. They're not despicable. I know they're not for everyone. But they're not despicable. I mean, the man made the Godfather trilogy, and people shat on him for that because they're like, why are we glorifying mobsters and death and murder and crime? I mean, he needs to step back and, and understand that he was the uh, brunt of a lot of criticism at one point. And it, it's almost as if he's forgotten that. Um... I personally like the Marvel films. They're fun. They're enjoyable. Some of them are very good character studies. I mean, every Marvel film is a different type of movie. They're not all just basic comic book action adventure. I mean, uh, the Ant-Man films are like a heist caper. Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier was like a political thriller. I mean, it, it, it's... There's so many different facets to these films, and it's, it's, it's callous to just write them off as just, like, not cinema. And that's not what Martin Scorsese was saying. He was just trying to clear... I think he's been able to clarify his statements as, as time goes on. I think, like I said, I think he was taken out of context in the beginning. But he just wants to make sure that smaller films that might not be for everyone don't get drowned out by some of these major films that sometimes when you go to a theater, they're playing in every single theater in the in the multiplex. And it's like... You want to see a smaller film, and maybe it's only playing at 4 o'clock every day, where the biggest blockbuster is playing at every single hour of the day. And and, and I get it. I really do. Um, but let, let's, uh, let's put that issue to rest at this point. Um, biggest movie news of the week, though. The new Star Wars trailer dropped on Monday Night Football last week. Uh, it's a shame that it was such a shitty game, even though I'm a New England fan, had to watch that slog of them playing the Jets. But anyway, anyway, that was a fucking trailer, if you ask me. So many things going on. We got people riding on top of Star Destroyers. 
That means Star Destroyers in atmosphere, people. One of my favorite things to see. Oh, it's so fucking cool. It looks like they're going to have this like Avengers Endgame style battle at the end. The Millennium Falcon shows up with like an armada of ships. Uh, looks like the Ghost is in there from Rebels. Uh, the Outrider, Dash Rendar's ship. A lot of Mon Cal cruisers. Uh, some ships from the Clone Wars era. Just a, a whole hodgepodge of ships, and it's amazing looking. Uh, then we got a look at the Emperor's Throne, which is uh, looks a lot like some concept art from, from Return of the Jedi, surprisingly. And uh, got a look at some new characters. Uh, be, it's very interesting at what's going on. Uh, there's somewhat of a hinting at the redemption of, of, of Kylo Ren and Ben Solo. I'm not totally buying it. Uh, see some more Lando and uh, the, the, the fledging resistance coming to fight the First Order or possibly the, uh, the Sith force that is being led by Palpatine. But, oh man, there's going to be some awesome lightsaber action on the, the, the Death Star wreckage, uh, which is now looks like it might be maybe in the beginning of the film where I thought it was maybe towards the end. Um, I, I just, I can't fucking wait, people. The, the in-atmosphere stuff and people like walking and riding on top of Star Destroyers is what gets me. Uh, the other thing I noticed is there are actually uh, these giant guns that are on the bottom of all these Star Destroyers that were out in the unknown regions. Which leads me to believe that it's not a mothballed fleet, but maybe a fleet that's been lying and waiting. And some of these destruction shots we've seen... And some of the other teasers are being shots fired from these Star Destroyers that seem to have some like Death Star-like abilities. Uh, we also got this epic-looking locale, which looks like a giant iceberg in space. Looks pretty fucking cool. And some forest planets uh, and some some desert stuff and as well. So I I cannot wait to see how this all plays out. And uh, we are... Just a few short weeks away, uh, two months, about less than two months, actually. Uh, it's actually, uh, tickets went on sale on Monday as well, and it broke uh, Adam ticket sales records for pre-sale. So uh, don't don't sleep on, on, on tickets for too long, because he might not get to go opening weekend. Uh, but I'm sure more times and tickets will be made available as we get closer to release. Um I can't fucking wait. Uh, that's it for for uh, most of our basic news, though. I uh, do have some other stuff to go over um, before we break. Uh, got Loot Crate and Loot Wear in the last few weeks. Wanted to save that, though, for a normal episode. Um, loot Crate this month. Uh, I should actually say from July, because we're that backlogged a little. Uh, the theme was Journey. Uh, came with an exclusive Fallout figure... Um, that was a variant Fallout figure. A awesome Spider-Man shirt that says, uh, visit your friendly neighborhood Queens with Spider-Man swinging underneath. Love Queens. Uh, a awesome Scooby-Doo blacklight poster because the, the box actually had the, the inside of the box was themed to the, the mystery, the, um, what's it called? The mystery, the mystery machine. How am I forgetting the damn name of Scooby-Doo's van? Um, also comes with this cool Scooby Snack pin and a Farscape sticker. Uh, really don't care about Farscape, though, so who cares? And then uh, Loot Wear. I forget which month this is because they actually stopped putting the uh, little pamphlets inside. Uh, there's this really cool 80s-style Phoenix Force tee with uh, Jean Grey as Phoenix. Uh, it's a Raglan shirt. And then uh, one of my favorite movies... Uh, Big Trouble in Little China, and it's uh, Jack Burton when he's got that makeup on. It's got low pan. It's got that weird like eye demon, and then uh, just an awesome Big Trouble in Little China shirt. Love that movie. Can't wait to see what they do with the rock version, which I don't even know if that's even coming out anymore. That's the loot stuff. Um, a Pokemon card has sold for one hundred ninety-five thousand dollars. It is the illustrious Pikachu Illustrator card, the Japanese version. Uh, 
It is one of 39 cards known in existence. Um, sold for almost 200 grand. How about that, huh? And uh, final bit of stuff just want to talk about. Um, you know that I go to Box Office Mojo a lot I uh, for box office quotes and, and how movies are doing, compare them to, to old movies and things like that. Uh, they're owned by Amazon and IMDb, and they recently went uh, through a major redesign, which is uh, pissed off the internet, to say the least. Uh, a lot of things are now hidden behind a paywall, which, not unexpected, but unexpected, and it's unfortunate. Uh, it used to be an awesome free resource. Uh, a lot of things are now missing, actually. It's it's hard to compare a lot of things. The, the site is... Not as easy to use as it used to be. And uh, so I, I probably won't be using it as much as I used to just because it, uh not paying for that shit. I'm not paying for IMDb Pro just to access that information. It's a little frustrating. We'll see if, if, that, um, if that affects the site moving forward. I know some, I, I remember I was in my research regarding people being pissed off about the, the redesign. I did see that... Uh, uh, like 10 years ago or something, they made a change to the website and the whole internet exploded and uh, they literally changed it back the next day with no explanation. Uh, it's still in its really weird phase right now, but um, I'm hoping something changes in the time uh, time frame or in the future because people are not going to go to this website anymore if a lot of shit's hidden behind a paywall. So it's, it's unfortunate. Um, but that's it for Nick's Nerd News this week. Thank you guys for listening. I am your host, Nick. Uh, check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, just search Nick's Nerd News. Or you can go to our handy-dandy website, nicksnerdnews.com. You can find links to all, all, our, all of our social media pages there. And if you'd like to listen to old episodes, you can listen to it right there in your browser. Or if you prefer to listen on the go, you can find links to our Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play pages right there at nixnerdnews.com. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, it is uh, the end of spooky season. Halloween is this week. Hope you guys be safe. Have awesome costumes. Uh, I will be going as Will Riker to my work Halloween costume contest. Uh, no parties on the agenda this this year for me. Uh, was sick the weekend before, and I'm going out of town the weekend after. Uh, but I do get to share off my awesome costume at work, so that's a that's a fun thing. Uh, as always, you do you, and I will catch you guys on the flip side. Have a good one. Happy Halloween. <laughs>